Have you got any recommendations for what to drink for this episode? Um, yeah, I do have one recommendation. Medus. Uh, and that's an interesting Lithuanian meat because you can make it with different spices like thyme, lemon, cinnamon, cherries. Wow, that sounds fun. Cinnamon honey mead sounds very Christmassy. It's probably very suitable for winter. Welcome to this episode of the post-Soviet press pod 10 minutes on series where in each episode we focus on one of the 15 countries of the former Soviet Union covering the essential basics as well as things like culture, language, history and the biggest news stories affecting the country today and we'll be cramming it all into 10 minutes per episode. Your hosts today are me, Kristina Tsabala and me, Eleanor Evans. Today we're going to be looking at Lithuania and to get us through the whole episode we will be sampling some Lithuanian shakotas. Uh, shakotas is a traditional spit cake which means that layers of batter are put on a rotating spit over an open fire. The batter drops off the spit so it makes little spikes. The cake ends up looking a little bit like a Christmas tree and it's pretty tasty as well. Yeah, I actually like it quite a lot. But let's move on and go to the basics. Um, Eleanor, apart from how tasty spit cakes are, what does everyone need to know about Lithuania? Lithuania is a country in the Baltics that has a coastline on the Baltic Sea. It borders Belarus, Poland, Russia and Latvia. The capital city is Vilnius and the official language is Lithuanian. According to a study from 1989, a village north of Vilnius is positioned at the geographical centre of the European continent. There is even a monument showing exactly where it is. The Lithuanian language is one of the two still existing Baltic languages, the other being Latvian. Lithuanian is the second oldest language in Europe after the Basque language, and it is so old that it contains words with Sanskrit origin, but it was not until the 16th century that the written language was developed. Can you say something in Lithuanian? Do you have any words of wisdom? Well, I can only try my best with pronunciation, but I think it's worth it because they're interesting. Uh, Lithuanians have two very interesting ways of describing lying, as in not telling the truth. Um, they say kabinta makaronos, which literally translates as I will hang pasta on the ears. You can also say priberti, which means that I am casting a spell on you. I guess it's the Lithuanian equivalent of telling porkies. And upon reflection, there seems to be a very delicious coinciding of food and lying in both Lithuanian and English. Despite some interesting phrases, the Lithuanian language is a crucial cornerstone for the national identity of the country, especially in the years when Lithuania was not independent. Well, now let's move on to culture, which unfortunately does not include more Lithuanian curse casting or pasta. An interesting fact is that the legendary rock and blues musician, Bob Dylan, whose real name is Robert Zimmerman, has Lithuanian heritage. His mother's grandparents were Lithuanian Jews who emigrated to the United States. That is true. And there is another famous Lithuanian, but this time he's a fictional character. Hannibal Lecter from the famous movie Silence of the Lambs. The movie Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar for. The protagonist of the book by Thomas Harris is commemorated with a plaque in Vilnius. That's not the only plaque. There is a whole street in Vilnius commemorating authors and characters related to Lithuania. 
So culturally speaking, the idea of Lithuanian national identity was promoted through literary works written in Lithuanian and by priests mostly. One of the most influential priests and writers who promoted the Lithuanian language and dialects and culture is Bishop Mutejus Valantius. In addition to his literary works, he was an active opposer of the ban on printing Lithuanian language texts during the Russian Empire and smuggled many books from Western Europe and sponsored the illegal printing of works in Lithuanian. Priests seem to feature heavily in Lithuanian culture, as there is another influential priest from the 20th century, Vincas Mykolaitis. His pen name was Putinas, and he pioneered modern Lithuanian romance. His most famous novel, In the Shadow of the Altars, caused a scandal in Lithuania because it questioned priesthood and justified the rejection of it. It was controversial because the Catholic Church was, and still is, a very influential institution in Lithuania. Eventually, Putinas also renounced the priesthood. One more famous poet and writer worth mentioning is Adam Mickiewicz, in Lithuanian Adomas Mickiewiczus, who is considered the Byron of Eastern Europe. He is famous for his poetic drama Forefather Sif and the epic poem Pantadeus. He is also considered a national poet in Poland because he wrote in Polish, but he was born in the former Grand Duchy of Lithuania, in a village in contemporary Belarus, bordering contemporary Lithuania. Well, we're starting to touch on important historical figures. Maybe we should contextualize them a bit. Lithuania might be a small country, but its history is very complex, being at the intersection of East and West. So, where did it all start? The first Lithuanian people were a tribe that was part of the Balts, a group of Indo-European people who spoke Baltic languages, many of which are now extinct, but included what would later become Lithuanian and Latvian. Unification of these lands, as the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, took place in the 1230s by King Mindogas, who was later crowned the first Christian king of Lithuania. Lithuania's Christian phase did not last long, though, as King Mindogas was assassinated and the Grand Duchy of Lithuania became pagan again. It was not until the end of the 14th century that the Lithuanian ruling elite adopted Christianity after a union between Poland and Lithuania was established. Lithuania and Poland closing up will be a running team in this section. By the end of the 14th century, Lithuania was one of the biggest polities in Europe, incorporating parts of modern-day Belarus, Ukraine, Poland and Russia. Though by the end of the 15th century, Lithuania looked to Poland again, because the Grand Duchy of Moscow was threatening Lithuania. And for that reason, in the 16th century, the Kingdom of Poland and the Grand Duchy of Lithuania established the Union of Lublin and these two polities became the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. It was one of the largest and most populous polities of 16th and 17th century Europe. It had a monarch who ruled both Lithuania and Poland, but what was impressive for the time was that the monarch was elected by the nobility, called the Schlatze, who formed the legislature, called the same. The nobility had the Liberum Veto, which gave members of the legislature the power to nullify any legislation. Some historians have called this system a precursor to democracy. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth implemented many reforms, culminating in the Constitution of the 3rd May 1791. The Constitution banned the Lemberum veto and is considered Europe's first constitution. However, independence did not last, as foreign powers moved to partition the Commonwealth into empires, the Habsburg monarchy, Prussia and the Russian Empire. Most of the Lithuanian territory went to the Russian Empire. After unsuccessful uprisings in the 19th century, 
the Russian Empire implemented many Russification policies. Increased repression also led to the Lithuanian National Revival, which included the desire to re-establish an independent Lithuanian state. Though they had to wait for an independent Lithuania for a while. During World War I, Germany occupied the territory of Lithuania at the end of 1915. However, independence of Lithuania was declared in 1918, with a state governed by democratic principles, including women's suffrage, workers' rights and land reforms. The state lasted until 1940. Independence was short-lived because in the Second World War, as part of the non-aggression alliance between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union, Lithuania was transferred to the Soviet sphere of influence. This ultimately led to the invasion of Lithuania by the Soviet Union on the 15th of June 1940. It was not until 11th of March 1990 that the Supreme Council of Lithuania declared the restoration of independence from the Soviet Union the first Soviet-occupied state to announce independence. What was impressive was that people from the three Baltic states formed the so-called Baltic Way, or Baltic Chain. This was a peaceful demonstration in August 1989, in which two million people joined their hands to form a human chain on the border with the Soviet Union, spanning across 675 kilometres. Since independence, Lithuanian politics has reoriented itself towards Europe and sought to distance itself from Russia. Lithuania was admitted to NATO and the European Union in 2004. Over the last year, Lithuania has been a vocal advocate for protesters' rights in Belarus and has condemned Alexander Lukashenko's rule. The Belarusian opposition leader, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, who was mentioned in our Belarus podcast episode, found shelter in Lithuania after she was threatened during the protests last summer. Lithuania is a country that is developing quickly and it has achieved important improvements in terms of corruption, human rights and economic stability. Liberal economic policies have made Lithuania a welcoming place for the development of startups and is one of the regions in Europe where the IT sector is growing rapidly. Since the last parliamentary elections in October 2020, a conservative government has been formed by the conservative liberal Homeland Party and the right-wing parties of the liberal movement and the Freedom Party. This new government expresses the public dissatisfaction with the previously ruling centre-left government. There is also a Polish party called Electoral Action of Poles in Lithuania, Christian Families Alliance, that arose from a significant Polish minority which often cooperates with the political party Russian Alliance. Political divisions are usually blamed on the significant levels of inequality within Lithuanian society. This inequality is the reason also behind the problem of immigration. In 2018 and 2019, approximately 30,000 Lithuanians left the country, which is relatively low in comparison to the big spikes of immigration to Western Europe right after EU accession and the financial crisis of 2008. From 2001 to 2011, the population decreased by 13% or roughly 20% since 1989, which is also due to a low birth rate. Since Lithuania joined the European Union, emigration rates have been consistently high because of low wages, long working hours and insufficient protection for workers' rights. As per usual, there are more questions than answers about Lithuania's future. Since one of Lithuania's biggest diasporas is in the UK, will migration rates slow down after Brexit? How will Russo-Lithuanian relations develop considering increased Russian aggression towards Ukraine? Well, to answer those questions... Oh, wow. Is that really the time? I must go. I'm late for an online Zumba class. Thanks to Dr. Alan Seek and Professor Richard Butterwick-Pavlikovsky for their expert help in producing this episode. 
If you would like to learn more about Lithuanian history, check out the book The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth from 1733 to 1795 by Professor Botowick Pawlikowski. See you next episode. Bye-bye.